All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 406 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today is Marcus Almighty Mark. Greetings. Welcome back, as always, and the voice of reason, 69 Blizzard. Uh, the other guys are doing life. <laughs> life comes first, as always, before yeah. we get to hang out with our friends and talk kiss. Um, we're going to do some random topics at the end of this episode, but we're lagging a bit on talking about a really cool, I'm going to call it call it a kiss style tribute album it's classic 78 second cd release uh, back in 2017 they released two eps digitally side one and the follow-up appropriately called side two which they then packaged up the following year as a cdr and nice touch guys on that one it came with a sticker and a tattoo very kissy and what they i guess kind of do is they're semi-anonymous though most people know who they are um group of fans who record music in the style of what a kiss album might have sounded like in 1978 hence the name classic 78 and you know what i think it's a really super fun concept and idea to just try and write something in the style of that music so we've had what a, a week or so um this album on repeat yeah, i'd like to just you know get your guys thoughts on overall thoughts at least on the album and whether you're familiar with classic 78 prior mark um yeah i was familiar with this uh outfit um i was a fan of the side one and side two bit when they released it uh i enjoyed it very much uh, and i really liked this album uh, i i had it in the car uh and every day i listened to it at least twice fully like when i did some driving around and doing errands and stuff i was listening to it and it really like, i mean i'm not going to say it grew on me because i kind of took to it right away but i just seemed to like it more and more the more i listened to it and it, it taught me a very interesting lesson that the way to make a, a record like that like you know when people say how, how do you make, how do you make a kiss record that sounds like that it it seems like their formula is pretty simple take certain parts of popular kiss songs you know like a certain drum pattern and just do a different chord progression over it and just take lyrics that are very similar in whether gene style or paul style and there you go i mean because if you you can pick out so many kiss songs <laughs> within the, uh, these songs, whether it's melodies, whether it's ideas, whether it's guitar parts, whether it's drum parts, some of them are so blatantly obvious. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are because if, I wanted to see if you guys picked up on some of these things as much as I did. Yeah, I think that's completely accurate. I agree with you. You know, one of the things I noticed going into this, and I, I put this album on repeat, and just went with it. And then I, when I started doing my prep for the show, I listened to the first ones over again, just to see how much, you know, kind of progression there had been from the first attempt into this. And this is a quantum leap 
in terms mm-hmm. of execution, writing, performance, all, all across the board from the first one. Uh, and I call it the first one simply because I've got the unoriginals and I didn't get the EPs when they were individual. So some people may still refer to them as side one and side two uh, for the separate material on each of those. So I listened to this a lot more than I thought I was going to. And I found myself going back to it quite a bit because it's so catchy in parts. And it's going to be fun to talk about the individual songs when we do our rankings. Ken, what's your overview thoughts on Classic 78? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the main thing about it is everything sounds like Kiss or something that Kiss may have uh, you know left on the you know in the demo form or or just didn't make an album. It's like an album, like a song that oh this could have maybe made one of those uh, Rock and Roll Over album or Love Gun or whatever um, in, in sound, and you hear all these different. Uh, you know, kiss-isms, I guess you would say, uh, throughout. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, wait, that sounds like this. And it sounds like it's like it's coming from left and right. This, it's always something coming like, oh, yeah, what's, you know, thinking, what song is that for? I mean, you know, you kind of have that, has that feel or, and so on. So, but the most, the most I got out of it is it's just, it's just fun. And, and the other thing about it is it's, it's kiss. And you know what? It make me, just think back about uh, Kiss music is is not easy to imitate, really. I or, and Kiss back then they had their own style uh, and sound. They didn't sound like anybody else. They Kiss had their own their own style, and then nobody again and vice versa. No one sounded like Kiss. They were kind of their own little sound. I think it may be due to like. Uh, you know, uh, Mark was saying about starting with the drumming. Um, it could have been, you know, the Peters, you know, jazz, you know, influence and that sort of thing um, is the starting point of it all. And uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's just fun and it's anything that sounds like Kiss is, you know, it works for me. Yeah, and Ace's unorthodox guitar playing. True. Gene's voice, which uh, I'll be mentioning (laughs) in a few places on some of these songs. You know, it it really is. But I like Mark's... you know, idea that, you know, you jam a Kiss song, you, you take a riff and you just start playing with it, just like Gene did with the Stones' Bitch. You know, I do yeah. that with Kiss songs, mainly because I'm just not a good enough guitarist to, you know, to really get through all, all the songs, just, uh, you know, other than stuff like Rip It Out or Love Her All I Can. Those I got no problem playing the rhythm uh, tracks all the way through but you know other stuff I'll learn a riff and then I just start you know fiddling with it and twisting it and going off in my own way and you know making my own music that's what I do with a guitar for kicks I don't you know really play other people's music I take other people's music and turn it into my music that no one ever gets to hear except for the neighbors so what we're doing with these songs is just putting it through the ranking machine we've got to form them into an order to discuss so each one of us have ranked them from the most kissy to the least kissy and that is of course uh, favorite to least favorite and there really are no bad songs but something has to come at the tail end there are songs that I guess we prefer over others so let's jump in in last place just garnering four points and so that makes it a pretty universal least favorite song is Queen of Hearts so Ken let's start with you on your thoughts on that one 
Yeah, Queen of Hearts. Um, it's it's one of the couple that or the least kiss sounding uh, to me. Um, is that the one that was with? That's like. Uh, is that the Ace one? No, that's. Oh the no, Paul that's one. not the Ace one. That's the. Uh, oh, Paul, oh yeah, Paul one. Sorry, I'm getting it mixed up. I listen to this too much. Um, uh, yeah, the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, it it sounds like a kind of like a Paul song, but it's. I think the the riff structure of it doesn't sound like something that Paul was writing maybe as much like that in uh, in the seventies. Um, so it's a good song, but it, it sounds more like something maybe would fit on his, you know, solo album, uh, versus, versus maybe like, uh, Rock and Roll Over or, or Love Gun. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not quite as kissy as the other ones. It still has the Paul isms in the, in the vocals and stuff, but it's, it's, uh, it's not as, you know, Full force kiss uh, like the, some of the other ones. Not kissy enough. <laughs> Not kissy. <laughs> Mark, what about you? Um, yeah, it was. Look, I'm not going to say it was my least favorite. I mean, I think all the songs are pretty catchy, but in this, you know, sort of ranking thing, again, there's got to be a, a bottom of the ranking. It doesn't mean it's a bad song. Uh, but I think that it's very polished vocally. Uh, it's just some of the things within the song structure I find are maybe not as Kiss-centric as they were in the 70s. I think uh, Ken might be right. that It might be a little bit more uh, solo album-ish thought out. But, you know, the thing that, that that I love about it, though, is, you know, how they kind of take these little words and stuff like that that people remember and insert it. Like the Queen of Hearts. The first thing I thought of was Queen for a Day, right? Yeah. That missing uh, Kiss song. And right when I saw it, I'm like, hmm, is that supposed to be some sort of an offshoot or a tribute to that missing song? Is this their idea of what that song would have sounded like? You know, because they have those kind of little hints and Easter eggs all through this album. You know, these kind of little nods to certain things. That's what I think that that was sort of directed towards. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a good song, but it's just not it's not the strongest Paul song on this record by a long shot. Yeah, and I'm going to echo those. You know, my notes are pretty straightforward. It's a decent song, well written and executed, but just doesn't register with me. Sorry. Um, It's a bit meh, and I can't really pinpoint why. So, Mm. strictly because other songs jump out at more, it went at the bottom of my list. Let's move on into the other clear least favorite was Walk That Way. Mark, go straight back to you for that one. Did you say Uh, Walk That Way? Yeah, yeah, he said walk, walk that, that way. It's walk uh, that walk. Sorry, Aerosmith on the brain. <laughs> Come <course>. on now. <laughs> yeah, well, walk that walk. I thought was interesting because, um, while I thought I would have maybe have liked it more than I did, uh, mainly because it's one of the rare instances where they did the back and forth vocal between the Gene and the Paul, and that's usually something that Kiss fans complain about in abundance that there's not enough of that in the Kiss catalog. So I thought that I would instantly like this more because of it. But I, I found that to me, what I didn't like about it is I found this song was a little too oversimplistic musically for me. And I thought that lyrically it was a little, uh, I don't want to use the word tacky, but its uh, it wasn't their strongest example of Kiss lyric writing. You know, uh, like, 
you know, the whole walking that walk thing, it's like a direct kind of, you know, sister song to strutter almost, you know what I mean? When they start talking about the way a girl walks and stuff like that. I mean, that's what Paul talked about in the first record, you know? So, but again, it's not a bad song. And I love the idea that they're doing a back and forth between the Gene and Paul thing. Uh, I, I really think that, you know, if if Kiss gets and takes anything away from this recording, it should be the fact that they should do more of that in their own writing if they ever do another album, which they won't, but... Yeah, one, one, one can live in hope. It's such a small <laughs> word, such a big concept. Yeah, I actually like this more than both of you guys, uh, but it, to me it has way more of an ACDC-ish vibe, like, you know, mid-70s mm-hmm. ACDC in Australia, anyway, even though they weren't around mm-hmm. in the rest of the world at that point. I, I think it's really good. I love the, the solo on it. And, you know, I, again, I say that, you know, the second half of this album really, you know, is strong, uh, for my taste, Ken. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with well, kind of both of you guys. Um, yeah, the the Gene things, you know, singing the verses, and then the Paul going into the the chorus kind of thing, uh, which which is cool. It's a nice you know touch, but yeah, the the rhythm of it doesn't sound like anything of Kiss really uh, would maybe. I don't know. I want to say right, but uh, yeah, it was kind of simplistic, like Mark said. Um, though your point about the uh, um, ACDC, um, you know, it might be a little true because I think the chorus, uh, I, I could see that being sung by you know, um, you know, Bon Scott. Um, <laughs> it, it just was like, yeah, that that could be an ACDC song if you. If you put it, uh, you know, had Angus playing and, and him singing, but uh, yeah, but it still works. I mean, it's, it still still has some Kiss, you know, feel to it, um, but you know, not as much. That's why it's on the lower end. Yep, and those were those were the two clear least favorites because after that everything tightens up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, in um, sixth place, smoke and mirrors. Uh, you know, eleven points between mm. all of our votes. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's solid. You know, that song really started up high. It's the third song on the album, and for me, it kept getting bumped down the list by other songs, which you know was really kind of unfortunate because it's spacey, playful, fun, and uh, of course that's AC. Not Kevin Spacey. Mm. Um, nice guitar tone. <laughs> the drums sound great, and the vocal nuances in this one were just so aceified that you know I, I I just dug it completely. So, Mark, your take on Smoke and Mirrors? Yeah, the the, the minute I heard this song, you knew right away it was going to be an ace song. But as soon as you heard that kind of flanger phaser on that riff, down the down down, when I came on, I was like, oh, this is the ace song. And I, right away too, with that opening part, that dan dan. And then that's right from Save Save Your Love. That that whole beginning of the song is a direct pull of Save Your Love. So I was like, Good oh, point. okay, you know, You're it's right. exactly it, you know. And uh, the the singing fantastic. I love it. Uh, like it's an older little nuances and stuff are just spot on on this. Uh, the guitar solo, perfect. Uh, the the only reason why this one ranked where it did on my list and i'm just trying to double check it right had it i had it on yeah i had it exactly in this position in sixth position uh the chorus i found just started getting a little on my not on my nerves but it started to grate with me about the smoke and mirror it's not too like robotic like too like and because you because they didn't really change it up at all 
and the chorus happened so many times, it started to get a little like, okay, smoking, I got it. Yeah, it's like it's it's not a bad song, you know. But I think they could have did a little bit more with the chorus. That's it. I, like if they would have just tweaked the chorus just ever so slightly, and this is my producer hat coming in, then I I would have definitely put it up in the top three because it's really a strong song. But the other songs I think are just that much stronger in the chorus part of the song. An Ace Frehley song, Smoke and Mirrors, or style song, Smoke and Mirrors. Talk about innuendo and tongue-in-cheekness. Mm. I mean, that's just awesome 70s tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Ken? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that opening riff, he's just like, no, right away, it's, it's, it's Ace. Mm. It's just Ace written all over it. Um, and that was a good pull, Mark, on the CB11. I agree with that. You know, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that beginning. Um and uh, the the vocals on it, man, I, I would I would think it, if I had never heard it and didn't know, you know, the song before someone played it for me, I'd say, hey, that's an Ace song. Yeah. You know, where'd you find that? You know, because th- that's how good the vocals are on it. Um, um, but yeah, I do agree with the uh, the chorus is the the probably the the you know lowest or uh, you know less polished part of the song. Um, it could have been maybe a little bit more, uh, but you know I can see what they're doing there. Maybe could be intentional. You know, uh, Ace has done that too. You know, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, or you know, save your love, <laughs> save your love, over. So you know, but it's even probably more simplistic than those those songs. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's it feels like a an Ace tune, a Kiss Ace tune that was you know left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, so yeah, a chorus that gets a bit too repetitious. That's ironic in some ways, but uh, <laughs> I know. Mark mentioned some of the at the beginning some of the elements that help make a successful, you know, kind of kiss copy song, is the nuance, the vocal nuances on this one really sell it for me. And again, the observation about Save Your Love, yeah, it's one of my favorite A songs, so uh, not surprising in that sense. Um, Moving into fifth place, this one was pretty obvious what style it was going to take. Fever <laughs> Dream on 14 points. Uh, it's also tied with the next one, but uh, just ended up in this order. So, Ken, let's go back to you on that. Oh, oops. Yep, Mute. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is one of my higher-ranked songs. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, it's, it's, it is a lot like, <laughs> I guess... You know, definitely Gene's style of, of, of writing. Um, for instance, I, I know it has a little, it has a, a feel of uh, Love Him and Leave Him in it and, and some other things. Uh, maybe something from the solo album, I don't know, Radioactive maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, it has all the geniusms in it and the vocals. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, just a, a, a cool little song, Fever Dream. I mean, it makes you, oh yeah, burning burn up with fever also, you know. Um, it has a little bit of everything, but it has all the, the vocal style of Gene when he he does his little, you know, he says hot or, or what, you know, some of those things he, he does during, he does during the, uh, the songs is, is really cool. And it's, it's a, it's a, another song that kind of it's like oh this maybe we would have been on um, gene simmons vault you know something like that i would have uh heard like you oh, never this. know if you gave it to gene he might have thought it <clears> was, he probably yeah, thought but... he wrote it 
and he, yeah. he'd, he'd want uh, <laughs> yeah, he'd want royalties from it. But uh, yeah, I thought it's a, a pretty good song. I think I had number, I want to say three on mine, or no, two, two on two. mine. I, I liked it that much. Hmm, that's not surprising. Yeah, you know, Gene guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mark, how about you? What did you think of it? Uh, I. I didn't think it was that bad as a song at all either. I mean, where I have it, I had it like in fourth place. To me, it reminded me of like Solo Gene meets Love Gun Gene. It was almost like a burning up with fever meets almost human. That's exactly what I kind of thought of when I heard it. It kind of had like those kind of little, you know, parts in it that reminded me of that some of the singing style that he did. And as soon as you see fever in the title, it's like, I just right away in my head, I'm like, burning up with fever. I just right away thought of that, even though did, he didn't sing it like that. But it's just just these little things that are just appearing where you just right away put a connection to Kiss in it. And I, I think it's good. He does, uh, again, he does those little things that Gene always does in his singing, those little uh, accentuations of certain words and stuff like that. Uh, the bass playing is very Gene in this as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, yeah, it it has those kind of, you know, single note grooves that Gene likes to do in there. It's either, he either does very simple chord progressions, like that's always kind of Gene. And if it's not, if that's not it, then he does like those kind of like single note things. That's very Gene as well, where he plays it on guitar and doubles it on bass. So whenever you hear that stuff, you can think right away, okay, this is going to be a Gene song in there. And if he does like that, oh yeah, like all that kind of stuff, then you know it's Gene, all right? So it, it, it's good. I mean, and lyrical, the topic was very much a Gene thing too, you know? So it it, it, it hits all those sweet spots for a Gene fan. Okay, so this is my second from bottom song. And I just think it hits a little too close what? to some Gene demos oh. to, be, um, <laughs> to be original. <laughs> It, you know, obviously fever, burning up a fever, dream, sure. see you in your dreams. Um, I like the cowbell at the beginning, but you, yeah. you just know what it's going to be from the title. And, you know, again, I, I found the originality on this one a little bit too. Well, the imitation was contrived and the enunciation of hot was just straight out of Stewie and Family Guy. You know, the whoa, you know, how he pronounces certain cool words. Whip. Yeah, whip, you know. <laughs> so I, I was just kind of giggling seeing Stewie in the demon costume <laughs> singing that. So uh, sorry, guys. Nice try, but you know, two out of three ain't bad, right? Moving on rapidly. Um, Living Fantasy in fourth place, on also on 14 points. So I... I I guess I must have favored uh, someone by putting that ahead. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I think this is another very strong song and performance. Uh, And it makes the previous song, which uh, we haven't talked about yet, an excellent one-two punch on the album. The drums totally shine on this one. Uh, It's a perfect riff, great vocal, and it's recorded in the key of fun. What better key? I think only Dave Grohl came up with the key of L. Um, L sharp. Um, I could do without the kind of breakdown section, which I think borrows a little bit too much from Angel. You know, late 70s Mm. Angel um, during the end of that refrain. But I love this one. Uh, Mark, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, again, this is another cool song. I mean, again, when you when you see the title, you know, "Living Fantasies," you think right away, "Oh, we got a Paul one coming up now," right? So, and it has those kind of, you know, Paul-ish kind of writing bits in there, that kind of you know, really cool melodic chorus in there, and uh, his his kind of writing in the verses are. You know, it's just whenever you hear him sing a song, you expect certain things. And, and this song has those things in spades again. I mean, I think that the songs that I have in my upper three are just songs that I find that just resonated with me the most and just kept going in my head, even when I was out of my car in my house. And these songs are just going through my head all the time. And th- those ones I think are the ones that are the most Kiss-like, and they, you know, I, I would be, I would never be surprised if Kiss actually would hear these and go, "Wow, we should, we should have disallowed this," because it's that good. Those the next three that we that we're going to be talking about, but this one is is very strong too. But again, there's some parts of it that I think are better than others in there, but it's still a pretty strong song. Nice, Ken. Your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, the first thought. Um, for me was, I mean, the, the opening riff makes me think of uh, It's All Right from Paul's solo album, uh, the first song on the same. I mean, that's, it's very close to that song and a lot, a lot of the writing of that of that song. It's very similar. Um, also a little bit of, you know, like t- Tomorrow and Tonight um, thrown in and some other stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good song. It sounds definitely like a, a song Paul would write for sure um and you know the vocals are really good on it um you know trying to be you know like paul it's a pretty good job so yeah i'm with you guys it's it's a pretty good song all right moving into third place uh and we'll call this one the last of the rest of the pack because there's a clear difference between all the songs and the top two in terms of uh, where they place for us on 16 points rock and roll over ken straight back to you on that you're muted why am i muting okay um rock and roll over uh yeah it sounds like a song (laughs) listen to that i saw it like oh yeah i could see this you know if if kiss had put out rock and roll over and, and and named the you know the title of the album after this song um and you know what? A lot of this song really sounds like things off of Rock and Roll Over. It just has that vibe and that sound, uh, and uh, it works. the co- The chorus is pretty, you know, pretty cool. I mean, for what it is this? It's like you know how they came up with it. I'm surprised that it you know came out that good. It's like, oh, let's let's make a song called Rock and Roll Over, you know, and uh, it actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually works and the guitar solo you know sounds you know like pulled bases stuff from you know multiple solos um kind of similar in that sense um so it, it's it's a really cool rock and roll song and uh, you know i'm surprised thinking about it. it's like you know kiss should have written a rock song called rock and roll over but he didn't <laughs> yeah i get echoes of rock and rolls royce on this one 
Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah I can so see that Mag- a little bit. Magna Carta demos pre-Destroyer, but also heavily recycled for Rock and Roll Over. Um, very decent. Another really good guitar solo, and, and that's as far as my notes went with that. It, I didn't think I was going to like it because the title didn't appeal to me as a song. I just can't see singing Rock and Roll Over as a lyric and it making any sense whatsoever. But they did. They, they, they did a really good song there. Mark? I, I really like this song. This is one of the ones that stuck in my head, like the from the very first time I heard that kind of reverse echo thing with the rock and roll over. When they come into it like that, I was like, whoa, what the hell is this? And right away when I listened to it, I was like, something about this song is bothering me. What is it bothering? Why? What? What is it making me think of? And then it right away dawned on me because I started doing the drum beat on my leg while I was listening to it. And I go, wait a minute, that drum beat, that drum beat is a direct ripoff or a, or a lift if you would, of Rock and Roll Night Party Every Day. That's the exact drum beat. Do, 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 do. That's in there, Rock and Roll Over. It's the same beat. And that's what I was saying earlier, how they kind of just took a part, said, okay, play Rock and Roll All Night on drums, and I'm going to play these chords over it instead. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I think they did with this song, because it sounds it sounds like they wanted to close with a Rock and Roll All Night type song, like they did on Dress to Kill. I think that's it. that was their plan. I would be shocked if it wasn't. You know, and I think that uh, lyrically, the chorus is very simple. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, kiss, and it worked perfectly for that. I mean, while while uh, smoke and mirrors is very simple, but this has so much more melody going on in the chorus vocally, and there's some good harmonies in there too. Uh, and the like, the the parts are very like to the point. Like the verse into the chorus, it's like in and out like before you know what you're into the chorus you're back into the verse you're back into the chorus and it just leaves you kind of almost winded because it's like wow it went by so quickly but it was so good you know i i could listen to that song like three four times in a row i thought it, i thought it was good that's high praise you know i think there's going to be some high praise for these last two in second place on 21 points show me your love which mm-hmm. is the first song on the album yeah mm-hmm. um Mark, back to you. This, when I heard it the first time, I'm like, ah, this is either going to be a tribute to I Want You or it's going to be a tribute to uh, Paul's solo record there. Uh, what's the opener called again? Tonight, uh, you're blowing the beat. Yeah, yeah it's not, that's the first thing that came into my head when I heard that. Like, this is supposed to be something in tribute to that because that sort of vocal thing and that kind of clean guitar bit that plays underneath it, that's either, you know, I Want You, same kind of idea, and Tonight You Belong to Me same thing it's though that's a very paul thing to do in that song and i i think it's it's a great song uh i i think that it's um what am i looking for what's the word i'm looking for here it it's so close to being a paul song it's like when you were saying earlier like with the gene one where if you or no the, the, the ace one if you would have said it was an ace song you would have believed it. I, I mean, in parts of this song, I would have believed that it was a Paul demo as well. It was that close in certain aspects. Nice. That's a very high praise. Ken? Yeah, I, I see where Mark's going with the uh, I Want You, but I, to me, it felt like, um, uh, well, first of all, it did feel like Tonight You Belong to Me a little bit the first time I listened to it. Then I listened to it the second time. I heard it again. I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds like a Night Ranger 
beginning. <laughs> you know, the, it, it does. Listen Night to Ranger. It, listen to it again. Listen to the beginning and think Night Ranger, okay? <laughs> There's some stuff sounds just like that. Anyway, but then when it kicks in, it sounds like I Stole Your Love, you know, like I Stole Your Love Part 2 with the, the riffing and everything. And that, that that's what I get out of that. Out, out of the song uh you got i want you i got i swear i mean they're you know they're both <laughs> good riffing songs so um but yeah i think it's a, a really cool song as it's my favorite uh on my list um and it was the first song which usually the first song is usually you know some of the best on when you're going to put a cd or album out but uh yeah, it's it's good. Um, it does sound. I agree with Mark. It does sound a lot like a a Paul song that you know a real Paul song that he would have written. Definitely sounds like it. it it's really really good. There's a topic for a future episode. Kiss albums with the worst opening track. Mm, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be yeah. tough. That'd, yeah, that'd, that'd be a real positive episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I I really like the intro, but then again, the first time I ever heard Paul's solo album. The, you know how that one starts off you know it gave me a similar sort of shiver i i just like that acoustic lead-in or that guitar kind of playing kind of sparkly great great guitar solo on the song as well and i think most importantly and it goes for all music and particularly kiss music it's catchy head-bopping chorus the importance of a head-bopping chorus, one that you suddenly find yourself just kind of nodding your head along to the beats, makes it a winner, and I was doing that. My only criticism of the song, and again, I ranked number two on my list, were the drums. The, the drums sound better on some of the other songs to me, and they were like a little bit wet pancake on, on this one to my ears. So, um, fantastic song, great intro, uh, but... Let's move on to the winner. Clear winner. What you gonna do? Well, actually, not a clear winner. Don't need nudged by a single point. Mark, why don't you start us on what you're gonna do? Well, this one r- reminded me a lot of certain Gene songs, like you know, like uh, uh, the on the side four of Alive. Larger than life. Yeah, right away that riff came that riff jumping out at me, and uh, you know, even that pre-chorus is very. Uh, very interesting like then and and i've heard that a million times in kiss songs as well there's a lot of a lot of the strong parts in kiss songs are present in this one but the one thing i find about this song that made me smile is that more than the other songs on here it had a certain vibe to it that when i heard it i immediately started seeing scenes from kiss meets the phantom of the park <laughs> it just reminded me of something that was from that era and and it just I could just see like you know the roller coaster bits you know and stuff like that yeah it just I could see parts of that movie while this was playing it just had that kind of feel to it like it almost belonged in that kind of era hence 78 right 1978 that kind of feel to it you know I I mean this ending up being the the winner I have no problem with because like I said the the last the first four songs on this album are, are incredibly strong on this record uh, and uh, well, I think I hope them, not. It was your top pick too. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying that any one of them could have been, you know, in there. It's such a it's such a great song, you know. And it's I, I'm really glad that it it came across that way. Like that that whole the thing about a good song I find is the vibe that it gives you, 
And if you can see things in your mind when you hear it playing, that's when I think it really connects with you. And like I said, at the minute I heard this, I was like, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park is the first thing that entered my head when I when I heard this song. And, you know, it, it's a it's a great song. You know, I, I, I really like I really like this song. I only have one gripe about this record and I'll save it for the end when we talk at the end. All right. So so Mark and I have it as our favorite. Uh, the mm-hmm. other guy doesn't tell us why you don't. Would I make it my second or my third? It's, um, in, it's in your top. It's in your top eight. I think it's, yeah, actually, you know, um, what did I do? What, what, I did the, what you did. It? I'll tell you in a second. It you was third. It. it was third. Yeah. So third. it was right up there. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, um, that beginning riff. Yes, it sounds like uh, the you know the, the little riff and with a little you know space and then another riff. You know, it's that larger than life type thing. Uh, style at the beginning um but you know what this sounds like a song that ace and gene wrote together to me that's how it sounds to me um you get the part in the song too where it has this descending going on um uh which is like the uh um from uh, dynasty um what is it uh hard times mm-hmm. where he does that you know there's that descending riffing going on in the yeah, part yeah. of the song, the middle, like a middle, like a bridge or whatever. Um, and that's in the song, too. It's like, oh, this is kind of like an Ace and a Gene song. And it's kind of combined as if they wrote together. And they, what, did they ever write together? I don't, I don't, I think. don't think so. Uh, well, Only technically, Cold Gin, apparently. On Ace's solo stuff. Um, mm. Oh, so yeah. But, um, but otherwise, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cool song um and uh, and a good chorus so yeah it's it's a neat song um and and very catchy too yeah that, that's my word really good catchy as hell great writing and execution where all the elements shine clear winner for me um let, let's wrap up you know with our overall and final thoughts on this and then we'll get a, a couple of random topics from the weekend um mark that you have uh first shot at yeah so my only gripe with this album is there was no Peter Chris song. They I really thought there would be a mm. song where where Peter they had a Peter vocal on there because I'm pretty sure if, unless my memory is cheating me a bit here but I'm pretty sure there was one on side 1 or side 2 of the other ones. So I would have thought that they would have maybe did one in their, you know, not, not like a Beth or anything, but like a more like a, you know, baby driver type song or something like that for him, right? And, you know, other than that, I think this is a great record. I'll go as far as to say that when they were hyping Sonic Boom and saying that they're going back to the 70s and doing a 70s type record, this is the record that they should have released for Sonic <laughs> Boom. This would have been what I thought of. Nice, Ken. It's pretty good. <laughs> Sonic Boo and Sonic Boom. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I like it. I think if it's 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 kind of it's a fun again. Like I said earlier at the beginning, it's it's a fun listen. And if if you like to listen to that Kiss kind of stuff and seventies, you know, Kiss riffing and and the the Kissisms and stuff and stuff that's going on in it um it, it's it's interesting at the same time to you know perk your ears you know you hear something they're like oh yeah that's fun you know it's a little like this or or that but it's just it's, it's just fun and and if you you know if you buy 
maybe tribute albums by Kiss or if you're into boot, I mean anything like that. If you if you love that stuff, it's similar to Kiss, then you'd probably want to get it. I mean just because it's it's a it's a good listen and and, it, and it's like I said, fun. Yeah, they got themselves a pretty good drummer for this project, Charlie. Mm. Yeah. 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 Charlie Benante. Yeah. Yeah. So my my final thoughts is it's super fun, and if you just want to listen to something new, something different, something you have some songs you haven't heard before, give it a shot. It's available on Amazon digitally, or um, the iTunes Store, not Apple Music, and also you know go over to classic78.com and you'll find all the links to where it's available. CD on CD available online now worldwide only at Newbury Comics and Newbury Comics uh, does a lot of signed stuff. I've had co- uh, copies of uh, Destroyer and Aces albums from them uh, and they do great packaging, fast delivery uh, really good service in them so you can feel confident ordering it for them or, or just drop a dime on the digital it really is a good job. The attention that's gone into the packaging fantastic artwork by Claudio Bergman, um, incredible artist. He did Judas Priest firepower cover which i've got oh, a nice. beautiful, oh, really? beautiful, okay. a beautiful yeah, print of on my wall um and he's done quite a few other things he did this great uh graphic for richie faulkner as well um very very talented guy so you know it it's been put together with a lot of attention to detail so classic 78.com and thank you guys for you know some music to listen to i enjoyed you know giving it a bunch of listens since getting it and i hope it does well for you because it certainly deserves to in my in my opinion so let's jump into a couple of um you know bits of bits and pieces from the news over the week because and let's start with the creatures fest the tank reveal i don't think a lot of people saw a tank of that stature coming um i just hope they measured the venue's doors before building that sucker because it is big um ken i I, I heard about it, but I haven't seen the picture of it. They have a video of it. I'll uh, throw in a picture here um, okay. that I took from their reveal video, but it's absolutely fantastic. So, that you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to put on a great event, and I think there's very few people left to invite to be guests at this thing. So, mm. you know, the, the tank is real. It's not a Tonka toy. It's... Uh, uh, how's it... How's it compared to the, uh, say, the original tank? It looks about the same size, to be perfectly honest, and it looks like they've uh, the guy they who scaled built it, it down to whatever the stage is going to yeah, be. It's probably it. scaled down a little bit. I, I don't have a tape measure, um, but the guy who does it knows what he's doing. They've well, even built uh, the treads, which don't work yeah. for me, but you know because those were part of the stage originally. They, right. they they did have a step up to them, but because they extended out of the wings of the stage, you know, on right. that scale in '83. Uh, 82, 83, it made more sense and worked better. But in terms of what they're doing now to give the appearance, you know, perfectly, perfectly fine. How it looks on the night will all be a matter of stage yeah, magic. Be interesting to see it in bit action. Of, <laughs> bit of fog, some good lighting, and um, oh, yeah. you know, some posing. And <laughs> you know, they were showing it with flames. Obviously, they won't be able to do that in a hotel ballroom. But you know what? Oh yeah. Again. <laughs> Just to, no no spinal tap moments of not being able to get it into the venue. Okay. That, that's the only thing. Mark, did you see it? Actually, no, I didn't see it either. I mean, it I, it's funny that uh, the, 
I, I remember seeing in the notes here that you were going to talk about it, and I was like, the tank thing, where the hell? I was trying to, I tried to see where if I could find it, but I, I just don't, I don't think I got around to checking it out yet, but by the sounds of it, it sounds like it's going to be impressive, and, you know, I will definitely check it out after we're done here, but it, it's, I think that the guy is, the, these guys are trying to make this a total success. And I think the reason why they're doing it, going so far for this is, I think mainly because they want to make sure that if something goes wrong in this, i.e. somebody doesn't show up, then nobody will be as sour grapes about it because look at all this other stuff that's there. You got a tank, you got this and this, you have all these other people showing up, you know, what's there to be bitter about if one person doesn't show up, you know, but you know, so far it seems like it's going to be all systems go. You see how I did there? No and, uh, oh. so, Yeah. Sneaky. So, yeah. So, you know, hopefully it, it runs without a hitch. And, uh, you know, I will check out that thing, though, because I, I think it's interesting that, you know, by the sound of what Julian said, them ma- bringing in a sort of real tank is pretty impressive, you know? Well, real, real tank. One, but a real good-looking one. <laughs> real yeah. military tank. There you go. Yeah, so uh, they have their own Facebook site. You can find it. There's Google. Uh, but uh, that picture I did show should be enough for most people to get an idea of it and just uh, imagine it without flames in that venue. All right, Buenos Aires. Bands back on the road. Clearly, same set list, different cities. I'm going first on Buenos Aires. The okay. web stream was absolutely fucking fantastic. It was everything that Dubai wasn't. It was crazy South American fans going muy loco. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. That makes a whole difference to a KISS show when you've got X thousand screaming maniacs. You know, the animals up front, the animals on the side, the animals, oh yeah, the animals in the back. Um you know, the performance is what it is. The show is scaled down a little bit in terms of pyro. 11 pods, if I counted correctly, so same number as uh, reasonable. But the band, you can tell that they're more engaged. They're more interactive when they've got a crowd. I'm going to say this. Fuck Dubai. Put this out as the commemorative from the tour. Because Buenos, this English guy singing the pra- the praises of Argentina, um, those fans brought it, and if it's still up on yeah. YouTube and you haven't seen it, see it. It's getting pulled by Argentinian Telecom. Um, you know, many streams have disappeared. They do keep coming back up. Don't buy it on DVD from some bootlegger. Um, Mark, while you continue to hold that, I'll go to Ken. Ken, Buenos Aires web stream thoughts. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I mean, like you said, the, the audience is, is part of that whole show. Um, they've become part of the show where, you know, Dubai, there was no audience and it seemed dead there. So dead there compared to watching this. Um, and you know, so great is man those fans are definitely kiss fans they're not casual fans these people they know the riffs they sing the riffs of the songs to many many of the songs they know all the riffs and they're singing them along with when they play the riff i mean it's just fantastic it's like these are real true kiss fans and uh yeah, their interaction with the band, the band seemed more, like you said, engaged. 
Um, it's the same old Kiss show, sure, with the same set list and so on, and same effects. And, and but yeah, there's a, there's some kind of different energy, and because sometimes I won't watch the whole thing, you know, through. But I was there. I watched. I didn't skip. I watched the. I just watched it whole through. I mean, it was just fun, you know. Really, really. I mean, I, I don't know. And, and like you said, you know, screw Dubai or whatever. You know, I keep it a little bit. You know, not as my language is not as bad there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but 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 you know, they should put this into a video. You know, give this to the people who uh, who purchased the Dubai package and give them this as a video instead. You know, produce that and send it out. Yeah. No, I. I, again, you know, Dubai is such a debacle at this point. Debacle. Yeah, it's got it gets Ken screaming Dubai every time. Dubai. He, every time you trigger it. Okay, Mark, <laughs> your your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I think it was really really good. I mean, it was nice to see a concert of that scale again. You know, you you know you always hear stories and or you see things about you know rio and stuff like that from 82 and stuff like that and then there was some footage before i think on uh sonic boom when you did when you bought the the cd one there was a dvd of some stuff from argentina there as well and that was a pretty decent crowd as well for that uh you know south america has always had an extremely strong music scene whether it's for rock music or whether it's for you know, metal music or whatever. They're they're just very loyal musical people out there, and I have always been impressed with that. Um, one of my dreams before I die as a musician is to be able to play in South America at least once, and to get my albums out into South America at least once, because I think that it's uh, there are a group of people that appreciate music uh, far more than some North Americans, and I might get a little bit of hate for that, but it I think it's true. Uh, and I think that one of the things that made this concert really interesting for me and why I enjoyed it so much or why I think I enjoyed it so much is the fact that I totally forgot about all the little quirks that people complain about KISS shows. Like I didn't for one second try to over-analyze it and say, is he lip-syncing on this? or what? I didn't even give a shit about any of that. I just watched it, enjoyed it, for what it was and i think it's because of the audience i think because of the energy that was in this show uh you know i i think that it was one of the better shows that's available to watch of kiss especially in this era yeah i i yeah. i don't know if i'd want to be in an audience like that i mean there was basically a mosh <laughs> yeah, pit going there's basically a mosh pit at a kiss really concert and there. everyone else was pogoing the whole time singing and paul is like he's like we came here to sing to you, you know, yeah, singing well, yeah. to the band. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, he screeched his way through some songs and it didn't matter a damn because mm -hmm. the audience, this was a new show for them. You know, we, I've seen how many end of the road shows, quite a few at this point, you know, and there have been some very good audiences that one in Oakland with you can up yeah. front row was a fantastic audience in, around us. It was crazy. We had a guy next to us who was just going nuts singing the whole time. Right. And, you know, it was infectious. And I was, you know, going out of my head, enjoying it as well. But, you know, New York city were a bunch of stiffs 
at Madison Square Garden. I've mm. been to Gene in Edmonton. They, I mean, they basically needed a mortician to go around to check for pulses. Um, <laughs> you know, this audience, it was something else. All right, let's end on uh, Gene Simmons' happy birthday wishes to Ace Frehley, who, of course, celebrated mm. his 71st birthday this week. Um, happy birthday, Ace. <clears throat> Real card. So, uh, Gene, uh, I, and I have to read this through the board because I'm still blocked by Mr. Simmons on Twitter <laughs> for some odd reason. Um, he wishes Ace a happy birthday and many more. The invitations still stand. Jump up on stage with us for encores. The fans would love it. Yes, the fans would love it, but would you film it and sell it and not give Ace a cut is kind of the point. Um, Ken, back to you on that. Yeah, well, I saw that and I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if if the price is right, I think uh, Ace would do it. You know, they pay for his hotel and all that kind of stuff and give him a good... Uh, you know, a good chunk of money to to play those last whatever two was it two songs on the encore, um, you know, and and then would you know the thing is the other thing is Ace is would he he doesn't want to be up there playing with Tommy who's in his designed makeup that's I think that's a that's a big part of the problem, um, I mean do you have Ace come out in in makeup and gear for the last two songs and Tommy doesn't play on stage. I don't think Paul's going to go for that. Um, so, and then I mentioned in on the forum, if, if you throw Ace up there, this guy comes on stage and in, in street clothes with the guitar, you know, the, some casual fan in the audience feels like, you know, who the hell's that? Who the hell is this guy you know, on stage with Kiss? Um, so I don't know how that would work. Anyway, uh, it, I think a lot of it's most of it's down to money, money and and respect. Well, money and I, politics, I the root of all evil. A little bit of politics, too. Yeah. Kiss yeah, politics. You can't tell Tommy to get off the stage while Ace plays, you know, two songs with Kiss. <laughs> you know, there can't, two spacemen on stage didn't work out well in Kiss Meets the Phantom. Um, and, and we don't yeah. need a, a, a Phantom of the Park death match between two spacemen with rock well, and fire and guitars. Or maybe, or maybe we do. Guitar duels. rockets at each other out of their guitars. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. The, the, the winner gets to play the encores, right? <laughs> uh, Mark, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think that, again, it's wishful thinking. But I'm going to give Gene credit on this. This was very smart on his part. Because now... Technically, he leaves the ball in Ace's court. He can now say, well, I invited him. We The invite is there. He can come up and say, if he doesn't show up now, don't blame us. We gave him the invite. Now, if he doesn't show up, it's all Ace's fault now. Not our, I, I think it's genius on his part to do it. Because you know he's not going to go. For all the reasons that you just talked about, and probably other ones, you know, Ace is going to be saying, I, if I'm going, I'm playing the whole show and not just two songs. You know, it's going to be Ace's ego a little bit and play there too, right? And, you know, Paul is never not going to want him to play a whole show. There's no fucking way. So it, 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 there's, I think it's a well-played card by Mr. Simmons, and he doesn't do very many 
of these kind of good plays. Uh, but before we close the show, I wanted to mention one thing. There is another tribute album that's out that I just stumbled upon, and I believe it's relatively new, I think. Uh, it's called Kiss My Chilean Ass. And it's uh, it, it's a really cool sort of uh, tribute act from all bands that are from Chile. Uh, they did Almost Human, Sure Know Something, I Was Made For Loving You, Making Love, Creatures of the Night, Strutter, Shock Me, Killer, The Oath, King of the Mountain, War Machine, and Black Diamond. Now, if you, I have on here, just really quickly, just if you humor me, I don't know if that's the cover or not, but that's the kind of graphic that they have for it. It's almost like a unmasked kind uh, of yeah, cover yeah, yeah. for it, kind of right? A, yeah, nice. And it's 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 interesting because it's not, it's they're doing '70s songs, like a lot of them are '70s songs, but they're not doing them in '70s kind of sounds. Like some of them sound much heavier. It sound one 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 of them sounds like it could be almost like you know Motorhead doing a, a cover of a Kiss song. Yeah. Like so, it's that heavy. So I'm, I haven't gotten through all of it yet, but you know, if you're looking for another take on Kiss songs, this might be something to be for you guys to check out. So I thought it might be a good idea to bring it up. Very cool. Thank check you. All, always do. You guys see something that, you know, I, I, I even learned something new on the Kiss FAQ today, which is, I can't even remember what, what? it was now, but. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone mentioned the Dragonfly cover from uh, the history book which was prototype artwork and someone else chimed in that bruce kulik had been, apparently been asked about it and it was supposed to be used on a compilation of songs from the solo albums four wings dragonfly oh, oh, make, it, i was like whoa that suddenly makes sense you know so because obviously best of solo albums wasn't issued in the united states or in quite a few oh. markets other than uh <laughs> phonogram territories um, in 1980, so um, very very interesting to me. So there we are. That's a you know classic 78. That's our review of their Phantom CD. Do check it out. Classic78.com um, and check out the Chilean one that Mark has mentioned as well. And you know the the other topics. You know I think Gene inviting. Ace again is just a politician saying it. It's like saying, read my lips, no new taxes. <laughs> it doesn't do any harm to say, and it may not be something he intends to honor, but it certainly sounds nice on Ace's birthday rather than regurgitating the stuff that we usually bitch about him regurgitating about Ace or Peter. So from that point, mm-hmm. it's very positive. It's all good. Maybe they could be a happy family after all. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you for staying with us. And we look forward to your points and of contention on uh, wherever you listen to this episode. And we shall see you next time. So from Ken and Mark and myself, bye for now. All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy it.